Hello and welcome back to another episode of Inside Out with Taj and Ali. We talk about mental health, mindset, and challenge your belief system to push you up to more wise and find that genius inside of you. Yes, I said genius because you are one. Today we have a very special guest joining us, Delia Peterson. She has her own podcast by the name of Everyday Experiences. Delia is an international startup mentor, mindset mentor. She has created a platform where successful people from all the industries can share their challenges of their everyday experiences in pursuit of greater success. It doesn't matter how you define success. All that matters is willingness to learn and elevate your daily experiences. So thank you so much, Dalia, for doing this. And I'm so glad that you are here with us today. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. That's thank awesome. You. That's awesome. So for all the listeners uh, who are listening it on audio like uh, Apple or it is uh, Spotify or Anchor, uh, go ahead and give us the comments because this is our 18th episode and we know that, you know, uh, we try to bring you more value from the people like Dahlia, Mark and all the people that we have uh, taken, we have uh, interviewed just to get you the content out, just to give you a little bit of you know, insight about our stories and just give us a little bit of feedback, how you're liking it. All the people who are listening it for the first time, we do it every week. We getting we get this uh, podcast out every week. And we like we said, we talk about mental health barriers and challenges and belief systems. And I hope you will get the value out of this episode as well. So getting back to Dahlia. Dahlia, how would you introduce yourself if it weren't the way that I introduce you today? I would introduce myself as a badass chick from Philly, <laughs> proud, Philly homegrown. Um, I'm actually somebody who has dealt with a lot of challenges and I've just been very resilient and fortunate in my life to have the people around me that, although there were challenges that could knock you off your ass, I've been resilient enough to actually keep going and find my way back on track to where I am. I'm in my forties, but it's all good. Um, it's never too late to start. And I'm just happy to have the experiences I've had. Yes, awesome. And just before we started the recording button and we were just talking about it, that the moment that I spoke to you and we had like 20, we had a slot of 20 minutes of uh, call, but we extended to like one and a half hours because I was so, uh, I wouldn't say surprised, but like, like it was so exciting to talk to you and because the kind of mindset that you have and all thanks to Mark for introducing us. Now we are also working together in, in the project. So that's really amazing the how connection happens and the way that we are progressing further in uh, our work and uh, relationship lives as well. And uh, yeah, so this is really great the way that you said that I am a badass Philly girl and it actually resonated I could really relate with it because the first time conversation that I had you are a badass so going on to that like talking about uh how was your like we'll get into like how did you become badass how did you get to know that you know you have to go through get through your whole full potential and getting to that uh headspace that you are in today and uh, also not to mention, uh, not forgetting to mention that you are a part of Impact Theory uh, program as well. And uh, Tom Bailu, you listen to, uh, you are being mentored in a way by all uh, 
the giants from uh, the uh, like motivational industry as well how was your childhood like like we talk about it how was that how was how was how were you growing up when you were growing up were you always in philly or before that I, yeah i've been in philadelphia my whole life um i've had a love hate relationship with the city i'm from i've there's parts of it that i absolutely love and as i've gotten older i've come to mm -hmm. be more grateful for where i'm from um, and I never regret or have resentment for my experiences or where I come from. So I fully, as an adult, I fully embrace the parts of Philly that I love. There's parts that I wish I could change. There's parts that I just wanted to kind of always run away from. Um, not run away from, but I just wanted to have a different environment and a different landscape and experience different things. But um, my childhood, I came up through the 80s and 90s in Philly when drugs was popping um the surroundings it was drugs and alcoholism is what i've experienced growing up somehow um i attribute a lot of my success growing up to spiritual connection um i was even through the drugs and the alcoholism somehow my family managed to get me to church and it was in my faith that i grew as a very young child in church that I started writing angry letters to God when I was upset. I was like, I can't stand her. I was, I, I had this idea that if you're going to talk to God, he already knows how you talk on real life. So it was no point to sit there and make it fancy, like the way the pastors uh, talk about it or the way you hear other people prayer, like, Oh, heavenly father, thou art like, I just talked to him real. And I still do. Yes. Profanity and all. Cause I'm like, it's not like, you don't know, like, yes, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Right. But, um, my faith is kind of what anchored me to some type of center to have sanity because mm -hmm. there was a time I could tell you we had no hot water. There was a time we had no heat in the house. There was a time I was hungry, didn't have any food and was outside playing and just hoping that one of my friend's parents or somebody would offer me something to eat because I was kind of hungry. And it's not to say like my parents are very loving, uh, my dad's a social worker. Well, he's a retired social worker. My mom, um, she used to work for Temple University, but you know, looking back, I realized they are basically, they were the same age I am now and they were just figuring out life and they were given into the circumstances they were exposed to. Um, so I don't hold that against them, but it was just the experience of growing up around that that made me stronger, which is what I'm most grateful for it's kind of this unique thing where it's like some people are just angry about the experiences like why me why me why me and i'm like i wouldn't trade it for the world because i know what it's like to be hungry and a sister's resourceful i know what it's like to not have and i'm okay with that what i do have i appreciate and the time that i have with my kids i just parent a very different way i keep my head level and straight and there's a lot of things that i avoid because i watched it all i was the only I have two older brothers, but they're 16, 17 years older. So for me, it was kind of like almost growing up the only child because I'm the youngest and I'm the only girl. So while they were out doing their thing, I was the only child in the house. So it's that fly on the wall. You see everything, you observe everything, you hear everything. And even though you can't put it all together, you just realize there's something kind of fucked up and wrong here. Yeah. But going back to my faith, I was very grateful because I'm like, well, I've never been molested. I've never been abused. 
Um, I came out on the other side of this, a whole person with issues because I grew up in a dysfunctional family, but I came out of it as best as I could. And I can tell you a thousand percent, I'm gonna keep swinging and fighting every day. That's, that's just my attitude. I don't give up. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, Delia, quick question now. I know you mentioned there were a lot of things that went in or in your life and you eventually decided to, you know, uh, change, but was there a specific event that, uh, I'd say changed everything in your life? Let's say that made you really open your eyes and seek better things out there. Um, when I went to the Coast Guards, I was in 10th grade. I went, they had an engineering program. I originally started off interested in civil engineering and in 10th grade, they had this um, engineering program at the U.S. Coast Guards. We went away for a week and I got to, this is my first time alone by myself, no parents, nobody that I know. Like I cried on the Amtrak ride up. Like I was excited to get on the train. And then like when my mom and dad like waved by and the train pulled out of the tunnel from 30th Street Station, I just sat there and all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, I'm by myself. I'm like completely alone. I started crying. There was this really nice lady on a train. She came and sat next to me and she was like, just like, a, this is why I say, like, I always feel like spiritually, I've always been protected. Like, it was like, there was no coincidence. She was there. She sat next to me the whole ride. She got me to calm down and she was just really cool. But going to the Coast Guard has introduced me to discipline in a different way. Mm-hmm. And it introduced me to, I found the thrill of doing the hard things there. And I was like, this shit is addictive. Like, I like this. Like, the challenging, uh, like the fun runs that we had, like in like 90 degree, 100 degree weather, like that was pretty awesome. Um, being like forced to wake up at like four in the morning, whatever time they had us getting up, that was pretty fun. So yeah, it was just like, that experience introduced me to something that I was like, there's something else outside of Philly I want. Mm-hmm. There's something else outside of my current life. It was just a new experience. And they say new experiences stretch your mind. And that was one of the new experiences that really stretched my mind that I did kind of transform the way I thought about things. And also like, like the way that you said that uh, you, you were always resilient when uh, like things didn't happen the way that it was supposed to be when you were a kid. And, uh, but it's very, don't you think that it is very easy to become a victim and have that kind of a mentality and grow up in a different manner altogether with the kind of mindset or the headspace that you are in today. Do you think, like, was it that you were self-motivating yourself to become that person or you had some kind of an external, may that be spiritual help or may that be a guide around you who you could talk to and uh, get that kind of a mindset so that you are like, I'm a badass and I'm not going to give up. I don't want to become a victim. So was there some kind of a help that you got or it was just awakening? Or I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. I kind of, I want to lean towards the fact that I was just very angry and frustrated. I went through a period of hating my parents and I was just, there was just this fire that I was just so freaking angry about what was going on. I just wanted to get away from it. And sometimes it's not the things that pull you in, it's the things that push you out. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I felt more repelled by the things that motivated me to want to go the other way. And I'm just, I've like, through all my years, I can just remember like 
more than being attracted to a better life, I was just turned off by a bad life. Hmm. It was more of that end of things than being attracted to the positive things. I guess maybe it turns into a motivation, but it's a motivation more from a dark side because there was anger and there was frustration there, not like, oh, there's a better life. I'm going to strive for that. No, I just didn't want this shit. That's all I knew. I just didn't want that. And I didn't want to, I didn't want that for myself. I just felt like I could get, if I could just get away, then I could make it better somehow. But I, like I said, I have my two older brothers and my one brother, he was on drugs also. Um, That's my oldest brother. But then my other brother was the opposite. My youngest brother, he was overprotective. I had to wear a t-shirt over my bathing suit, even at 20. Um, and, but he was always like my protector. He was my comforter and he just made me feel okay about life. But my brothers always said, I would never be a victim. They're like, you're not going to be able to fight a man and beat him, but this is how you get away. And then you come and get me. My brothers always gave me like that type of confidence and strength. Plus they gave me like every weapon in the book. Like you name it, I have it. <laughs> like I'm just that girl with the stun gun, the switch blades, the knives, the gun, like everything. I've got them all because mm-hmm. my brothers took care of me. So I, their strength was my strength. And um, they always gave me that confidence. And then my parents, even though they're, they, they were kind of dysfunctional at the time, they're both very strong-willed people. They fight over everything. And if they think that it's right, they'll fight for it. Like my parents are those type of people. My dad said, don't come home when I was 18. Don't come home without your voter's registration card because he went through the 60s. My mom is very much like a firecracker. <laughs> There's no other. And so I was never around weak people there was just an unfortunate circumstance when it came to drugs and alcohol, but my parents were never weak people. And I grew up in that type of environment, but there was a different way that I had to harness that energy. I'm not as um, stubborn. I'm more flexible. I'm not as angry. I'm much more gentler and more positive energy. Like I'm the positive upbeat one in the family. I can always see the bright side of everything. Mm-hmm. whereas they can just see like the problem and everything and I'm just like no but look at this way and they're just like yeah shut up you're just getting on my nerves so I, yeah. I hope that answered it <laughs> yes yes absolutely and you're absolutely so this was a very uh, good thing that you shared that uh, you got your strength from your brothers as well so mm-hmm. somewhere that uh, because you know uh, I can relate with it in a way that when I was a kid I always looked up to my you know, when you were a kid, you look up to some kind of guiding light. May that be experience, like may that be spiritual, may that be your parental or anyone in your family who you can rely on. And you're absolutely right about the fact that, you know, your even your parents are also going through their learning curve in their life. So the thing that we have that they are super, super man and women. Uh, they're just like human beings, just like you and I. And they're also trying to, you know, get shit done at that time. And we think that, you know, they need to know this. They should know this. They've never been uh, in that suit ever. They're also mm-hmm. just trying to sh- understand the shit together on their own in whichever way that it is uh, throwing up to them. But yes, uh, but that is where the resilience part also comes in, right? Sometimes you either become like that 
or you want to say that no this is not not for me i want to i know that there is i want to get away from this this is not me uh, this is not the kind of shit that i want to go through in my life so and it's great that you got that help and your own resilience from your brothers as well and that power to fight for no matter what kind of a physical skill that you have and you got you learned from that and also that helped you to build that mental space around you that i'm a fighter mm-hmm. and i can do fucking anything if, if whatever comes in on my way so i think it's a very good uh, you know uh, the foundation that was built in your life and uh, yeah thank you so, so much for sharing that yeah and you don't find that compassion or understanding for your parents and so you're a parent mm-hmm. i didn't understand what my parents were going through until i became a parent absolutely i was like oh wait i'm still figuring this out and i hope my son's not holding me to hold it like to figure this out and know all the answers and have my life together i'm sorry i don't but like the name of the game is just teach you as i learn i'm passing this on to you a parent differently but you know i ain't got it all figured out yeah and i tell them that yeah. <laughs> absolutely yeah and like parents are you know we consider them these amazing powerful beings but they're just humans in the end they have emotions they have flaws and like in the end like when you actually kind of analyze uh, and think about it like you look back and see okay they made a lot of mistakes raising you now it's your job to fix that for yourself and your kids to make sure the generation the cycle and the wheel doesn't keep repeating so like your job is to basically come in and stop that wheel if you see there's some kind of issue generation wise like you know it's very easy for a generation to grow up with a very negative mindset a very um scarcity mindset because mm-hmm. uh their parents taught them that their parents taught them that too so um it's not your fault that you grew up in a certain society or you were born in a uh I guess in a very unfortunate circumstance, but it will be your fault if you didn't change it in the end. Exactly. And I would say to to my mom's interest, like she's really, really such a strong, incredible woman. Like I remember growing up, the thing she would always say is, I don't care if I have to sleep under a bridge with my kids, I will always have my kids. Like and not to be graphic, but she's like, if I got to sell my ass to feed my kids, like that's the type of mom I have. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. she's so incredibly strong, but she grew up in a generation where she was exposed to her own traumas and her traumas have been unresolved and she's 75 now, but she's done the best that she could with the way that she could. But the one thing she did always tell me was that she was determined to break the cycle the cycle of we, my mom's Puerto Rican and in Spanish families, there's a lot of abuse that goes on. There's a lot of abuse of men. There's a whole lot of like just issues that you grow up with as a female in certain cultures. And she was determined to break that cycle. So the way my mom talked to me, the way my mom taught me, the way my mom raised me, even in her issues and even through her own problems and her own demons that she had to fight she still made sure she told me these certain things and it kept me safe and it kept me protected 
because I knew things to look out for. I remember her telling me, oh, watch out for these girlfriends. Like your girlfriends will try to take you around. And if they're sleeping with somebody, they'll try to introduce you to somebody and they'll try to get you to sleep with this guy. She's telling me this when I'm like 11 years old, 12 years old, 13 years old. And I remember I was about 13 and my girlfriend and I were hanging out and we went, she's like, oh, let's go over to a friend's house. In the same exact situation my mom warned me about was playing out right before my eyes. And I was like, I recognize this. Mm. My mom told me about this. Damn, she was right. And I (laughs) was able to see it and say, yeah, no, I'm good. And I was able to get out of it. So even in her twisted ways of teaching me certain things, even if they were not appropriate for certain ages, I'm like, you didn't need to talk to me about this at like five years old. But like I said, she did the best she could, but Mm -hmm. she prepared me for life. And I'm so grateful to her for that. Yeah, and that's the best you can ask for, honestly. How ready yeah. did your parents make you when growing up? Like, there's yeah. some kids that are still, you know, living in a bubble, sadly, because mm-hmm. they were never taught life skills. And their parents weren't taught that either. Yeah. And absolutely, like, what you said about, like, you know, uh, like, uh, coming out from that background where women are not treated good and uh, there is a uh, mental and physical abuse as well which uh, they have to go go through in their lives uh, one thing that I, I i believe that you know the reason why there is higher divorce rates in the us canada and all the other western countries is only because people in asian countries south asian countries like in india and pakistan they're not speaking out. The females mm-hmm. don't have a liberty to speak out because if that happens, that number can go very wide in, in those countries too. Yeah. And, uh, because there's so much of these things which are prevalent out there in, in our societies as well. Talking mm-hmm. about uh, women abuse, talking about you know uh, physical, mental, sexual, so much of things are also happening. But now we see that the trend is shifting trend is shifting in a way that women are getting empowered and they're Mm -hmm. getting a right to speak to what they stand for, which is so much important in this life. Mm -hmm. And imagining the fact that, you know, third world countries are just left behind in the way that the society is moving and everything. It's so painful to look at sometimes when you look at the newspaper and think that, you know, why, why isn't this happening out there? And like, uh, I'll share one experience of my in within my family as well like my sister got divorced and uh, it wasn't a really uh, so like you know this like in india it's like you know marrying the same uh, like if you're an engineer marry an engineer or mm-hmm. a or mm-hmm. if you're a doctor marry a doctor mm-hmm. because the headspace is pretty much in the right place because there could be an ego there could be something so marry the same kind of a person in that case but it doesn't work that way right you cannot compare a person how they are according to their profession you're not even going through their characteristic they like what do they really stand for what are their worldviews who they are as a person and you're comparing uh, in terms of you know their professional degrees and that what happened and uh, so she had to get divorced because you know the they were not cordial with each other uh, so like uh, there were some physical uh, stuff uh, happened and everything and it's so 
it was so unfathomable for my parents and to realize that oh if she can even get a divorce because it's like society it's like it's not that open to say that and mm-hmm. it was so much uh, you know such such a kind of a cry from inside from me and i was like i went to my parents and said say the word divorce just say mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. your your daughter is divorced why mm-hmm. can't you accept that fact mm-hmm. and that is so much there and i'm just one like 0.000% of 1% of the population who would have said that a lot of women don't even get divorce fear of what people are going to say what they even their own parents are going to think about it mm-hmm. so it's just sad to you know see that uh, yeah how things are there and uh, moving better you know it right now it's that's such a good point you bring up man like i see this all the time like same conversation with my family is that hey um if you're going to marry someone make sure you marry someone on your own level if you marry up there are going to be problems and i'm just thinking so you're saying that a person's value is defined by their degree or their school education like that makes no sense i mean i can marry i can marry someone under or on the same level as me but how does that guarantee that there's not going to be any problems you know i've met some great people i've been really compatible with and they're um you know doctors and engineers and like you know lawyers and i've met people that might be on the same level as me what i'm doing right now in business management but they're just there's no connection yeah so i never got that idea like you know when you brought it up right now i'm, I'm just thinking back like i've seen that in my own life as well and i never got that idea where it stems from just because you're you have a degree or some education that defines you as a person and therefore that's the circle you belong in actually the the thing is that also ali because uh, the culture the uh, the places that we have we've been grown into education has been the most driving factor because mm-hmm. we we come from the countries which are like developing which would which were ruled by britishers and you know like so true so true mm-hmm. that like the only way to bring ourselves is by education right so society uh, development only happened when there are more engineers more scientists mm-hmm. or doctors so education had been a very important integral part of our life but we don't we didn't realize in the whole scenario that we started comparing each other not by the kind of a person he is or she is but by the kind of work that they do and they started defining yeah. that person through their work which is definitely not a compatible human relationship exactly mm-hmm. I think it's all like cultural values but the values of the cultures have to adapt and change as the times change because like the way like my my dad's side of the family they're from Monroe, Georgia and for them you know there was a I think my grandfather's mother or not his mother she was a native american but his father was technically a slave. And the fact that my grandfather came at the end of slavery and then in the US, what they value as a as a people was completely different from what my dad valued. My dad was the first one in his family to get a college degree. He has and he went all the way up to his master's degree. So that's like a whole different value system for him. But then when i look at my dad's values compared to my values compared to my son's values they're so drastically different because it's like yeah dad well we're not 
I, I didn't grow up in civil rights. So when mm. he was very strict, when he was very strict about voting, he was strict about voting because he marched for those rights. Right. Whereas I'm like detached from that by a generation. And then it's like my son, I'm like, you're kind of your generation where we're at in a country here in the States right now, you're kind of heading back towards the quality of grandpa's generation. You got to start fighting for your rights again. And it kind of skipped me. So it's like all these generations, we value different things, but it's like, it's called like evolving and evolution. Like we have to evolve with the times, but there's like a double-edged sword. Cause it's like, we're over in South Asia and in Asia, the value that, the, um, that your parents and your grandparents have on education. It's the reason why when I, when I went to Temple University, our whole biology department, our whole chemistry department, engineering like all of it is like south asian people yeah you know what i mean and then like even when you go into certain sectors of medical like i was a medical lab technology student they're all south asian and it's like there's more values placed on that so you guys will work for it harder whereas there's barely any value placed on education yeah at the point we're at in our country here especially in my city where the school system's falling apart and you're not, these children are not being taught the value of their education. So they're not even going after it on top of the fact that the education system's broken anyway, because you're not even teaching them like to be a person. You're yeah. just yeah. teaching them memorize and spit out facts and then go on. Like, where's the, where's the mindset? Where's the growth at? Yeah. What do they do with that when they're done? I, it's, I don't know. I just think like the cultural differences in the value systems that like our grandparents have versus parents. Yeah. And now it's, we don't agree. <laughs> we don't see eye to eye. We're like, no, you guys are old. Like, what are you talking about? I'm married yeah. who I want. <laughs> it's it's pretty funny you say that as well. Like my conversations with my grandparents um, is so hard. It's almost impossible. I, it's uh, when you're speaking to people that are uh, at a certain age and grew up at a certain generation with a certain mindset, it's always best to just nod your head and agree because there's no changing their mind. It just saves you a lot of like anxiety and headache. And that's what I've learned to do. Like, same thing with my parents, you know. Um, Sauce would agree as well, like, because there's no changing someone who is 65 or 75 with a certain mindset. At that point, it's pretty much set in stone. What you can change is how you react to their, whatever they're saying and whatever they're doing. Mm -hmm. So true. Absolutely. But they have some really good lessons to learn from. I love listening 100%. to old people. I love listening mm -hmm. to their stories. And what you were saying about divorce, like my grandparents, my dad's parents were married 83 years, but I was like, when we celebrated their 80th anniversary, I was like, grandma, how the hell did you not kill him by then? Like I would have choked him out by now. And she's like, oh, you can't kill him. And I was like, but to think of the things that she went through, but the, mm -hmm. to also remember she, that wasn't an option because of the society and the, the stigmas that go along with a woman leaving her husband or a woman yeah. being on her own that I have the liberty to do now. When a friend of mine uh, invited me to go to Saudi Arabia with him, to, I think to Riyadh, Riyadh or yep, Riyadh. the capital, right? Yeah. yeah, I was like, this Philly girl did not belong over there. I'm sorry. I will be in the town square probably getting hung or something because like my mouth is off the charts and they're not ready. <laughs> they're not ready for me. <laughs> so I'm like, I respect the culture and keep my ass here in the States over like this side, like, yeah. you know, I just, yeah. but there's like those different, you got to respect the cultures, but I'm like, Absolutely. women here are just very verbal, mm -hmm. almost to our detriment. 
is what I what I'm starting to feel like it's almost to our detriment. And I know there might be some women to disagree with me, but it's like I teeter on the edge of I think women should be empowered. Women should be able to do the things that we're able to do. But let's not do it to the effect that we're disempowering men to be men. Mm-hmm. I don't want my son to grow up um, unable to make a decision or unable to do certain things as a man because he because he has a woman who's like, no, I'm a, I'm a woman. You don't tell me what to do. Like there has to be some kind of mutual respect still. And I just have like this idea in my mind because I was raised by strong men that no, I can be a badass, strong ass woman here in a certain space, but at home, if I'm married, I want my husband to be a husband and I want him to be the man of the house because that's your, Mm -hmm. like, I just still think like I respect those roles, not total, like the other extreme. Yes. Mm-hmm. I I also believe that, you know, behind any relationship to work, there has to be an intention also. Intentional, intentionality in a way that understanding the other person with an intention, not that you are inherited with that kind of a gene to, you know, believe in equality or anything, but for anything to work out, like, uh, like for, for example, like my wife and I, we, are, we might be totally different people. I might be a little, little on the talking side or extrovert or she's like she wants to keep her own belief system to herself and everything and uh, but she is she has very strong belief system uh, and uh, also like things that she would do I wouldn't even understand why would she do it thing is to intentionally thinking about why is she doing it and respecting it is mm-hmm. is really really important so like if you're not like if I'm if I'm a male I might not understand everything about a female, how she would be doing things, but there has to be intentionality of understanding the other person. And that will help you to, you know, learn and adapt. Mm -hmm. So having that learning experience for somebody to teach that, you know, always adapt, always try to learn and have an intention to learn will always help someone to, you know, be better Mm -hmm. into whatever and respect other person also with their individuality. Exactly. You know, it's, it's really interesting what you once told me. Uh, I find that so helpful is that especially with women um, or even someone, you know, you're close friends with, don't try to change them to for who you want them to be. Let them be who you are or who they are. Sorry. Um, for example, uh, if your partner isn't expressing love emotionally as much as you want, don't try to change that. Uh, they, they might do it in a separate way. Not may, may, they might not be verbal about it, but they might be more physical about it. They might get you gifts. They might, you know, do the dishes or clean the house. So don't try to change them to be someone you want them to be. Actually, you have an aura about somebody to be, oh, this person needs to do the way things I want them to do. And mm-hmm. that changes the whole narrative also. That, at that time, you just stopped. So you, at that time, you just stop, uh, you know, uh, respecting or you could say that you know accepting that even the person is doing something good out of their own uh they're going out of their own boundaries to do something for you mm-hmm. you don't even realize that and you say oh it could have been done that way it would have been better and you just forget about like the whole emotional foundation or the standpoint of why where is it coming even from so i think that was uh, right important one yeah. Now, Delia, I had a quick question. So you do um, 
in, in your experience as someone who also is a mentor, do you, how actively are you right now um, teaching students in mindset? Um, it's like almost <laughs> so many meetings and so many calls a week. Yeah. Constantly talking to people and realizing that they're, um, everybody's mindset is different, but there's such a common thread. There's like this huge common thread between all of us, male, mm-hmm. female, young, old, black, white, brown, whatever. Like we all have these, these, um, these personal insecurities and this, this inner narrative that just like screws us all up. So it's like the number one thing you help people realize about just hold the mirror up for them and just let them see. It's like, not let them see themselves, like, but let them see themselves the way that you see them. Because oftentimes Mm -hmm. we don't say to other people, what we would say to ourselves, we look at people. And when you're in this like amicable situation or relationship, like I look at Sejas or I look at you, I'm just looking to see the best in you because I'm not interested in bringing out the negativity or the dirt or anything like that. So if I'm talking to you, I'm going to be like, yo, I think you're awesome. This is how you're amazing. This is how, you know, this is how you're crushing it and you're killing it. But then like, when we hold the mirror to ourselves, we're like, you're a fuck up. You messed this up. You just like your shit. Here you go again. You did this wrong year this year. And now you're doing it again this year. You're in the same cycle. You never change. Like we go through this whole thing of like dogging ourselves and I think hold the hold the mirror up for people so they can see what you see. Yeah, um, yeah. That, I think that's helpful. And I'm really glad you said that because I do find that very common is that we are um, our most common enemy when it comes to doing anything in our, in our lives, right? Now, um, like you said, you saw that as a very common thread. Do you think there? This is happening, and I'm saying this because I see this as a common thread as well amongst a lot of people I talk to. And I'm just curious where it's stemming from. And I'm, my theory is that it's coming from because of social media and nowadays the pressures uh, young people have in their life to live up to a certain expectation. I'd be interested in getting your idea on that too. I think definitely, I think the social media like magnifies the same issues we all had growing up because we didn't have social media, but there was still always that pressure, that social pressure to fit in to see what your other friends have. Oh man, I remember like when I was young and they got like Sega Genesis came out and like Nintendo yeah. came out. Like, <laughs> oh times. man, you don't, you don't have Mario? Like you're not playing a Stargate? Like I was like, no, yeah. parents, they, they got me Atari this year. I don't know why they got me Atari. Like I was like the outcast. Mm-hmm. And it's like social media just magnifies that problem. Mm-hmm. And I find like for my son, my son is 15. He'll be 16 next month. And I find for him, it's a lot of conversation around just allowing him to understand that he's him, you are an individual. And I kind of go back to what Tom Bilyeu says a lot. It only matters how you feel about yourself when you're by yourself. And I always reiterate the consequences of his actions because he has some friends that do things that are a little strange, but my son's pretty good with navigating the friendships that he has. Like if people are into things that he's just like, I can't believe you're doing that. Like, that's kind of nutty. Like, why would you do that? He'll back away on his own. So I'm very grateful that he has that mindset, but at the same time, like it's constantly comparing yourself to somebody else. And the social media just makes you look at what everybody has and sees what you don't have. And then you have all these insecurities because you're like, 
well, I don't have that nice car or damn, look at where she was at. She was on vacation. Oh, your family took you here. And then also just like body image. I think body image is a big issue Mm -hmm. for -hmm. younger people with social media, because like everybody's like Photoshop and filtered down to like the nth degree. So it's like, you know, you're looking on social media and like, I'm trying to figure out like, why is my son worried about if he has abs or not? (laughs) Like, are you seriously worrying about this? And then, but he's like, his actually, I, I did ask about it because I was curious, was it like a social media type of thing? But his was more like he's enjoying his health class this year and he's realizing like, no, mm-hmm. they said belly fat is not, <laughs> it's not okay. And I was like, I oh, see. okay. But like the girls, he even, he even has mentioned him and his male friends, like talking about girls. He's like, man, she uses so many filters. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you're dating a filter. Like you tell your chick to take her filter off. Like that's the really way funny. they talk about it but it's like they're very conscious about the images that they have of each other like through social mm-hmm. media because it's like well how do you show up on camera like yeah. in a filter <laughs> i don't know yeah. and, and photoshop dabs <laughs> and, and to be honest it's not just uh, anymore with the girls side it's also with the boys like and people expect you for some reason to be very you know, well dressed up and everything. I remember one in one of the lives that I do. So generally, like, I'm always like that. Oh, yes. I remember this one. Right. So I'm generally, mm-hmm. I'm, I have, this is my hair. It's all, yes. <laughs> and then they're not brushed up, everything. I always wear a cap, which is uh, like this. And uh, I always have IGTV lives and everything. And in the most, uh, so, uh, my way possible not like mm-hmm. I want to become some other personality and suit up and you know do the lives mm-hmm. somebody came up to me and he said uh, live was great but a small uh, 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 tip for you uh, it would be better if you get dressed well and everything and you know uh, for uh, like uh, when you are interviewing someone and everything I was like okay thank you I know where it is coming from because I'm not holding it against you and I made a post about it uh, mm-hmm. after that. And I told that I'm not uh, saying that you are wrong, but you are not thinking my perspective. It's your perspective. I respect it, but it's not mine. I have mm-hmm. a different narrative. And my narrative says, if I have a skill, if I have something to give of a value, it is far, far more important than how I dress up. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it really doesn't matter on that scale. So I don't have that scale with me. Exactly. Uh, for you, it might be. For some people, other also where you are dealing with them. And I think that is why you are not my client. That's what I was going to say. You're not for everybody. So who you're not for will be turned off by you one way or another. And that's perfectly fine. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be for everybody. I'm just for people. If you're real, you're raw, and you like hardcore truth, and you're a David Goggins fan, what's up? Holla at your girl. <laughs> yeah. I don't like the, I hate the pretenses about social media. Um, it's like, can we get any phonier? I just, mm-hmm. it just irks my soul. Because it's like um, being at work or like in a meeting or like at a at a gathering with family and you have these people with these fake ass smiles on just pretending that life is so great and you're sitting there looking at them and you're like mm-hmm, yeah you're full of it like you're so full of it <laughs> you're stinking like I'm a BS sniffer and I just smell it coming a mile away because it's like just be real yes I think that I think mental health would be a lot better yes if social media got real 
Yes. Stop showing me these. Um, like I'm into uh, fitness. I love lifting weights. But when I tell you it plucks my nerve, it makes the hair on my neck stand up. Every female like Instagram influencer, every day's not booty day, girl. Stop playing with me. Right. Every day is not booty day. You got an entire body, just like the guy at the gym that's constantly working his biceps or his chest. You right. got to do legs sometimes, bro. For females, you can't just do your booty every day. You've got to work out your biceps. You got to work shoulders. You got to do the whole thing, but they just go for these false images. Um, it's not even about the right. exercise. You right. got your, your outfit matches. You're not even sweating and your hair is done. Like who works out like that? Right. <laughs> Like, to be honest, like uh, the, all of this credit goes to the Kardashians, like yeah. depicting, which is very unreal altogether mm -hmm. and making that as a standard for a yes. social media. And that yes. is just, you know, so sad to see that, you know, when, so there was a post, uh, post by, uh, Coel, uh, uh, what's her name? Kohel? Uh, um, oh, Kohel oh. Kardashian. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so she posted. Is the that the one that freaked out about the bikini picture? Oh yes. Ah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we have to. I have to keep it up to the standards and everything, but didn't the Photoshop didn't go well? Like you don't become a victim here. You don't get to be. You have actually just destroyed the standards for all the women out there, which are like literally trying to get you know bodies cosmetically in shape and everything surgeries done just so that they can appear like you you are the whole artificial <laughs> way of showing that how uh, you're not mm -hmm. supposed to be and sure, you're saying yeah. that you are the victim you're not the victim here no she was like trying to sue people for actually getting the real picture and like reposting it i'm like Girl, if your body is that screwed up that you're that <laughs> what the real thing looks like compared to the photoshop yeah. Yeah. I think they get off on the fact that majority of people never see them in real life because I'm sitting here thinking like there was a movie. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, it's an old movie from back in the day. I'm going to get you sucker. Mm -hmm. And okay. he hooks up with this girl at the bar. <laughs> it's a comedy. Um, he hooks up with this girl at the bar. She's light skin. Oh, that's when light skin was in and she's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So he takes her back to her place and she's like, oh, let me just get a little comfortable. And she takes her her uh contacts out and he's like she's like i hope you don't mind and he's like oh oh okay i thought your eyes were green but okay that's fine and then she's like yeah she said well while we're at it getting comfortable and then she takes her hair off <laughs> and then she's like well hold on let me go real all the way and she had a fake booty on she had fake bra <laughs> and she starts taking all this stuff off he ends up running out of the apartment because he's she helped after him with one leg she ended up having a fake leg too like oh, it was wow. a real, it was such an exaggeration, but this is the real things that are going on with Instagram, with social media right now. Like women are posting themselves with so much makeup yes. and so many filters, so many weaves, and I don't knock it, but I mean, how can you date somebody who's completely phony Yeah, and then like, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm curious, like from the male perspective, like mm -hmm. you date this woman, you think she's beautiful. And then the first time she's like, actually has to take a shower and the makeup's off mm -hmm. and the weave is off. Like you see a totally different person because they look totally different. Yeah. It's like, how can you get mad if he doesn't want to be with you after that? Cause he's like, no, I fell in love with this image. And you're like, I don't know what, yes. <laughs> what this even is. Even if you compare, like if somebody yeah. is 
somebody really who gives uh, the the way that person looks a priority then that's a sad for that's sad for him yep because mm-hmm. uh, because that is what he fell for he fell for yep. something like cosmetic something like very nice looking glow and everything and when you remove so like that is not your real person personality is mm-hmm. and uh, yeah but this is why i also believe that you know to balance it out on social media it is really really important for people like you and me and everyone to put out the authentic content also putting out that this is the real life and there are people and i'm i so i you know uh, respect their vulnerability and the way to what stretches that they go they will just go to whatever ways to show that they they are like these in reality there are women who are in bikini who will be showing their stretch marks like real fat and not photoshop they would literally show you that this is my photoshop and this is my real fat i have this 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 going on and they're talking about it we know we need more people like those to mm-hmm. give the break the barrier for the teenagers and also the new generation which is going to be there on social media that they don't have to maintain with any kind of a standard it's just in your head you just need to be real and that's what the social media is all going to be about it's not about the unreal person which you are not at all from inside mm-hmm. how would mm-hmm. how would i be able to relate with somebody if i don't know that person on social media and now especially more when you are mm-hmm. all physically you cannot meet uh, uh, so many so much uh, it is not possible for so many people to meet with each other in person so you mm-hmm. need to have that authentic personality out so that i can know that person how he or she is I guess mm-hmm. it all depends to like what your platform is for but it kind of reminded me like back in the day like Kodak mm-hmm. like there was always like mm-hmm. a Kodak moment but when you think of pictures nobody takes pictures of themselves like when they're sad you don't take pictures right. when you're in your rock bottom yeah. but it's like the social media is like that Kodak moment like on steroids and nobody's ever real but it's it all points back to the mental health problem because so many people are not comfortable in their own skin so many people don't like who they see in the mirror yeah so many people are just uncomfortable being alone with themselves mm-hmm. um i've even realized like people can't even sit in silence like without the tv without the radio on or without some kind of noise or something distracting you from dealing with who you really are and what you're running from like we always mm-hmm. need these distractions and we need all this noise to filter out who you're who you need to be dealing with and i'm just very very happy and fortunate to be in a place where i'm comfortable showing up who i am i'm a little loud i am inappropriate sometimes i curse a little bit i have a weird sense of humor sometimes i will laugh if you fall but at the end of the day you know exactly who i am and what you're getting with me there's no pretenses and i'm so relieved that i don't have the pressure to hold up this phony facade or a persona to help make you feel comfortable in your skin it's not what i'm here for and i just hope that sometimes like when i'm being who i am even though i feel sometimes like for a while i was struggling with oh man like was i too much of myself was i too delicious for them like did i scare them off i got over that when i started to say you know what i'm fully embracing and loving who you are delia and i can look in the mirror and say you know what you're beautiful on any day of the week and i fucking love you like 
when I heard that come from Heather Perillo, I fly, I fucking love you. That just like changed everything. Cause I'm just like, how many people can really sit there and look in the mirror and tell yourself, I love you. I couldn't do it for a while. And then when I found that, I'm like, that gave me permission to just be me. And I'm mm-hmm. good with being me. I'm not interested in all the fancy ass equipment. When I do my podcast, I'm not interested in like pounds of makeup on my face to come on your podcast. Like this is me. So when you see me and you see me in real life, it's the same person. <laughs> like, you're not going to be like, Oh wait, are you the same person? Mm-hmm. No, it's me. Yeah. And you know, and I have, that's a freedom. These people that's are entrapped in their prison of their own mind. Yes. I love They're that. being in prison. Yep. Now, Delia, uh, last question that we kind of have as a, um, it's more like a signature question. We bid all our guests off and that's something we want to have an answer from everyone to see uh, how everybody reacts. Now, imagine this, imagine now, you know, you're around like a hundred years old now, right? You're on your deathbed and everything you've accomplished in life has uh, uh, all, everything you've done in your life, everything you've achieved so far is all gone uh there's nothing to your name anymore now if you can go back and give three pieces of advice with that in mind three pieces of advice to your younger self or someone like your grandkids what would you say i would say to always be who you really are don't care what they say and just lead with your heart those are the three things I would say. I think that's what matters. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. That's a very common thing we hear sometimes as well. A lot of people are always talking about mm-hmm. be true to yourself. Yeah. yeah. We're catching all the keywords, right? Like we always have this signature question so that, you know, see what are the commonalities of what people actually say about these when uh, this question is asked. And this is mm-hmm. what, one thing is really very true. Like what you said is that who would you really are. And this has been pretty much a common standpoint for a lot of people who's, who have come to this podcast and they say that just be yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is because when you get older, that's like the hardest. That's like the like, damn, why didn't I do this all these years? <laughs> just think about it. Just think about it. It is so important, yet so easy to, uh, uh, you know, forget about also. Mm-hmm. That, that we actually have to remind ourselves and saying, be yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's so profound sure. in that case, like thinking about. So, yeah, thank you so much. It was such a wonderful conversation. It didn't even thank you. Right. feel like that, you know, we were having a podcast. It was just like, like uh, Ali, we might have had this podcast like three mm-hmm. times already before this. So like right. I, we have had these conversations and uh, thank you so much for, uh, you know, sharing light into your life and your ex- personal experiences. Mm-hmm. And I hope, you know, uh, this gives that power, that strength to somebody out there in the world who's listening to this podcast and be that badass girl that you are. Yeah, that's why I share. I know some people are uncomfortable sharing their past and like the dirty secrets, but I just feel like we're all going through shit and whoever it's meant yeah. for them here, I hope it helps them find your power. 100% agree. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Delia. We really appreciate you. you coming on. Thank you. Thank you. And now before you go, sorry, one last thing. Now, if someone needs to contact you for let's say mentorship or anything, where can they get in touch with you? Um, my website is up and live, the written podcast agency.com. 
and you mm-hmm. can schedule a call with me there. You can um, find out more about me and we can connect anytime you're ready. Perfect. And is there a social media if you're active there if they can reach you? Yeah, directly? on Instagram, it's delia.say.what. Um, I'll get to you within a week. I'm not super active on Instagram. Facebook is Delia Peterson. Okay, but your website's the main uh, place they can reach you. Yes, the written podcast agency.com. Yep. Written podcast agency. Could you also give a little brief about like what work that you do? The written podcast agency um, is like my baby right now. I write, I'm a copywriter, I'm a creative nonfiction writer. So I write, uh, I do the copywriting for Impact Theory for all of their shows, nice. um, taking on more clients, um, doing content that has more passion and more personality, but more value and engagement for um, the audience, for the listeners, for the readers that actually just means something more than just the stupid keywords you see on a page. Like, <laughs> let's change the standard. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I can totally vouch for Dahlia because uh, we recently got some work done for uh, Mark as well. And uh, when you sent me the copies and the way that it has, it was written earlier, like uh, before somebody else has done the work, it was huge, huge difference. And I think that got me connected with you. And I was like, I, I told Mark, Mark, I want Dahlia. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So your work is pretty, like really, really uh authentic and it's original and it really resonates make that kind of a connection with people so thank you for whatever work that you're doing it's really generous work and active thank content. you absolutely thank you <laughs> all right thank you thank you dalia all right take care work. take care bye <laughs>